You are listening to the Beyond Yoga Teacher Training Podcast. I am your host, Sandy Raper. On this podcast, I will share stories and invite conversations that will help you grow and support sustainability within your yoga practice, your pathway of service as a yoga teacher, and beyond. Hi, welcome. Thank you for joining me today for the Beyond Yoga Teacher Training Podcast. I'm excited that you are spending some time with me and and we'll unpack today some information I feel is very relevant and many just some insight into kind of what inspires me to create episodes and the topics is, is usually uh, everything that I have encountered myself, or it's something that's showing up um, that I feel that that's relevant to be talked about, discussed, and and hopefully share some insight and some helpful information to bring insight to you, which you might reflect, evaluate, and see how this is showing up in your life. But exhaustion, um, exhausted, <laughs> however you want to look at it, you probably can relate, right? Let's start by kind of evaluating when you think about exhaustion. Um, and, you know, I Googled this, you know, if you've listened for a while, I, I Google words and definitions. And so when we look at exhaustion, it's a state of extreme physical or mental fatigue. So we've got the word fatigue showing up in the conversation today, too. But also when you look to the definition or how to even define exhaustion, it's the action or state of using something up or of being used up completely. So it's this state of being, um, it's this action quality to it, and it's really this depleting uh, state of being that that there's the relevance that I believe we have to look at and become aware when this is showing up in our life. So let me ask you this. I was in a training setting and we were in Shavasana and during Shavasana, um, you know, we were in that space and all of a sudden I heard beside me what sounded like snoring. And you probably can relate. You've probably experienced this too. Um, the, the kind of the heavy breathing. And then all of a sudden there was actually this loud snoring. And it became a little comical because everybody in the room kind of obviously was aware of what was going on and was looking to this individual. And, and I was right beside them. And so it was kind of like, who is going to wake up <laughs> this person who was snoring and it's kind of like you you didn't even really want to interrupt him <laughs> from what was going on because he obviously was so fatigued that he dropped into sleep quickly and so sometimes I think in the evaluation of Shavasana um, is the state and consciousness that's not dropping into that deep state but if that's where you go it's a sign and a revelation that that's probably what you need you need rest you need sleep so do you ever get tired when you practice? It's revealing, you know, the fatigue that's there. And when we practice by placing so much focus on our breath and our body, we are inviting a release of tension that we may be holding on to that we didn't even realize subconsciously or down in those subtle layers of our being that we've been holding on to. And so the practice and this, this movement really that I liken it to, to stillness, this ability to release that which, you know, isn't serving us or we've been holding on to, it's, it's the ability that we can release that in those times and during, right, and through the yoga asana practice. 
but it can leave us feeling drained. <laughs> so I think sometimes we might get, I don't know, you could get, get a little worried possibly as to why you don't feel more energized, I guess, after you practice. But if you'll start to pay attention to your experience and, and how you feel after you practice, those are great um, information markers <laughs> to add in your evaluation of your practice experience. Let me ask you this, if you're listening and you're a yoga teacher, this exhaustion could be coming, um, you could encounter this yourself. Um, are you uh, a yoga teacher that feels exhausted from a constant hustle to teach enough classes in order to support yourself financially as a yoga teacher? Also, you may be hustling to teach classes for other reasons. Um, that, that might be another topic <laughs> of the podcast, but there could be some ego things coming in there too as to feel like you have to keep up. Uh, you're in competition with another teacher or, or you're wanting, you know, to keep this level of popularity and all kinds of layers of things that we could get into. But today, let's talk about exhaustion. And are you a teacher, right, that are teaching so many classes that your personal practice now seems kind of a distant remembrance and, and you're even beginning to feel hypocritical because you're not practicing what you're teaching others. Um, you're starting to really create kind of some distance and the ability to, to really kind of cloudy your judgment of, of understanding the practice. And you're, you're just trying to teach from a space that isn't personally connected to your practice, your individual practice. So I might then add the question of, you know, what are you really teaching at that point? Because we're teaching in all various different ways um, as a yoga teacher. And if we're just going through the motions, um, you know, and, and just kind of teaching and teaching and teaching, and, and we've let our personal practice, we're no longer the student, we've let it diminished, then it becomes kind of the valuation needs to be had as to kind of what are you now offering or teaching your students about the practice? And can you even still relate to the practice and share from that space of knowing? I would, I believe um, from my experience and, and with the level of certainty, and this comes from firsthand experience, that there are seasons um, to all things in life. And, and then this includes our teaching experiences. And I have had many over almost two decades now of teaching, and some have had a longevity, some have been short-lived. They all have been seasons in my growth and my expansion as a teacher. I have found that there, there needs to be within these seasons a, a continual evaluation time. And, and just like all mindfulness practices, it begins really with noticing. Perhaps you are caught up in the hustle and the routine that you've developed that you might not even see that you're exhausted and you're depleted. Possibly it even feels easier <laughs> to stay in this exhausted cycle because it's what you've become to know and you're basically you're comfortable with it. You're comfortable in this exhaustive state of being that that you've become accustomed to. So what I would say is you need to stop. You need to stop. You need to create a pause. You need to put the brakes on. <laughs> Take a deep breath with me. And like even do that right now as you're listening. Take a deep breath in. And a long extended breath out. And, and notice, right, the space that's within the pause. 
What would happen if you started to give yourself just five minutes a day, right, to create some space of ease, to create this space to evaluate and start to see more clearly instead of being caught up, right, in the hustle cycle, caught up in the exhaustive state that you may feel you're in, what would happen if you stopped (laughs) and you paused? So exhaustion leaves us feeling drained. It leaves us uninspired. And then I think about the effectiveness of our teaching. I'll come back to that again. You know, what are you teaching at that point? Is this really, right, where and the version of yourself as a teacher that you feel you really want to teach from? Um, It's a very diminished, I believe, version that's lacking of the potential that you have to expand into this this greater version or this this expanding beyond version of yourself as a teacher. Let's go back to the concept of evaluating the seasons and cycles of things in our lives. I've mentioned, you know, there's there's seasons and times where we have long stints of time that we spend in something, and sometimes they're short seasons and they don't last very long. But they're all seasons for us to have experiences that we can learn and grow from. We can look at this in many ways, even relationships and certainly the experiences that we have in life. Let me add that I feel like at the root... <laughs> of this it really comes down to the relationship we have and cultivate with change change is the only constant i'll add that i've had to learn this the hard way in life and isn't that the most challenging the tough times in our life are the most but once i got a grasp on this and this ability to to make peace with change I'll tell you, it's really brought so many levels of ease in my life. I've lived through resistance to change, and in particular in a significant circumstance in my life that I found myself in when my mother passed away almost 20 years ago now. I I tried really hard in that time to find comfort um, by relying or trying to continue within what I call the normalcy of my daily life activities. Yet I knew, right, I knew down deep that things were different. They were not normal. (laughs) They were not the same. And and it took some time, right? And so a lot of times things are not about getting through them. It's about being with them. And so I spent a lot of time being with that. And, uh, you know, I tried some different ways to approach it. There was a lot of resistance to it. The, The ease was not there for a while. It took time and it took some dark nights of the soul. Um, if you're familiar with that term, until I reached an acceptance and really a new relationship with change. I believe this is where the relevance of practicing presence comes in in this powerful way in our, on our daily living. It's where that pause I talked about, the stop, the pause, <laughs> the pause to breathe more fully, more efficiently. Um, to not only pause, but then to notice, right? To notice the present moment, to really notice it. What is taking place in the moment? And how can I respond? And, and it really becomes a necessity or a requirement, really, for adapting and adjusting to the demands that I believe change 
ushers in and shows up in our lives. Sometimes it's sneaky, but sometimes it's abrupt. And I think about too, I'll throw it in quickly. You know, everything is going to have this, this moment when we think about COVID and the pandemic. I think that will forever mark and be this catalyst of change that, that people shifted and adapted new relationship to change. Yeah, there's been some resistance and then we're all kind of moving through that, but we're all in it together, which has been a beautiful thing that we're all in this space really that can be a space of community, although we've been through some hardness within all of this in that community aspect. Now, <laughs> how does all of this tie into yoga? And, and if you're a yoga teacher listening, uh, being a yoga teacher, and, and within this pursuing, right, this constant path as a teacher, while understanding that you're going to have seasons within your teaching opportunities and experiences. Well, when we notice that we are stuck, um, that's the thing. You got to notice it. You got to become aware. Um, and how do you become aware? I'm going to say first, you need to stop. You need to just give yourself a moment or two. Take a few breaths. Give yourself that. It's a beautiful gift to give yourself is that pause and to stop. When you notice that you're stuck, caught up in that hustle, going through the motions, just getting it done. When you notice that this is manifesting within your physical and mental layers of your being, right? You just don't feel right. Your passion is diminished to even teach. You don't even feel like showing up right? You can't even really, you're having a struggle to show up for yourself, let alone go in and step into a, you know, the front of a classroom to show up for the students that you're leading. It's time then, right? To, to ask yourself to stop, to pause, to be with, right? You got to be with it, not just get through it. And you got to make space for evaluation, and within the valuation, right, you're, you're able to discern and, and gather insight to take action. And most likely, this is going to be action to reorganize, to restructure your schedule, how you're looking at your life as a whole, where you're spending your time, your, you know, where are you depleting your energy? Where, where are you caught up in that hustle? And how might you make some adjustments? And whatever it may be. Um, it, it really comes down, right, to balance and this ability to, to figure out how to balance out the pathway and how to, to then maybe pivot and turn and take a different direction on your path. Balance brings our life back into symmetry. I, I think about this when we practice the physicality of the yoga asanas and, and how that's Gosh, there's just so many ways to look at the asana practice, but this this balance of symmetry that we seek within our yoga postures, but not only physically, but how it brings the symmetry back into our mental space and, and how we're looking and viewing our responses and our reactivity. The segues into kind of the how, right? So I've talked about, you know, kind of understanding when we're exhausted recognizing it really, right? You got to know what something is so that you know what you need to evaluate. But then let's talk about how, like, how do we even start to begin again? Because it could feel overwhelming. It could feel like, you know, I, I'm just, I'm done. It, you could feel like being done. You could feel like quitting. I've had this happen recently within my own life and my understanding of where I was going to be and 
what I was going to do is I move into this new season of my teaching career and this, you know, 20 years now, it's kind of like, well, you know, I could say I've, I've given it a go. <laughs> I, I've really dedicated for two decades now, and maybe it's time for me to just, you know, walk away, do something differently. But there's this, you know, this start point again, this evaluation, right, to notice when I'm having those moments and those feelings and to, to spend some time with it, to be in it. You know, not to feel like I got to fix it or change it, to be in it and seek that space again, that pause to get clarity as to, you know, where is the inspiration and and where is the passion? And it's there, right? And it was there within me and it's, it's risen up to manifest itself in a different way that I'm excited about um, and stepping onto this new path. But this new path was a little cluttered. Um, there was some stuff I had to shift and move out of the way, right, to get through, to walk forward and go forward. So how do we take the action to begin again? Well, you know, to begin, you begin <laughs> and you remind yourself first, right? You go back, you remind yourself, why did you begin practicing yoga to begin with? What caught your attention and what drew you back to the mat? For me, it was curiosity, what sparked a flame of passion within you to even pursue? If you're a yoga teacher listening, what was that flame of passion that sparked your curiosity or your pursuit and exploration to, to learn the teachings of yoga more fully so that you might understand, but then so that you might understand to lead others? Like, what was that? Spend some time evaluating that. And, you know, here in the West, most likely um, it was an encounter you had on your mat. So in whatever space or studio or wherever you first moved your body and you focused, someone guided you and led you to become aware of your breath and how you're moving, right? And those wonderful vehicles I just talked about it called the yoga poses, right? Can you remember that? Can you take yourself back to that space? There's your beginning again. Right. And it's just a remembrance. Right. So it's a noticing that you're in this exhaustive state. Is it even existing <laughs> or is it non-existent? Um, I've had these conversations over the years with teachers. They feel uninspired. They feel stuck. They're not creative. And the first question is, how's your personal practice? And that is the beautiful start point to come back to. Remember, it's the start point that you began and you fell in love most likely with the practice that led you to become a teacher. We've got to evaluate these things. And, and I've personally found over the years that the seasons, I'll come back to that again, these seasons will come, the ebbing and the flowing, right? Sometimes we're in the flow. It feels like we're in the groove. And then all of a sudden we feel like we're stuck, right? We're stuck in a rut. <laughs> we're in that hover or that hustling state of being. I have found that when the, the balance between my personal practice and my teaching um, is in symmetry, you know, that's when I'm in that flow, right, in that groove. But when I notice that something doesn't quite feel right, um, then there becomes a balance that I need to seek an evaluation and noticing that possibly I need to make some adjustments and some adjustments required to come back into symmetry so that I might, you know, be refueled in my passion to teach and I might remain inspired to share with others. And those, you know, that symmetry may come in some adjustments needing to be made as to the spaces of where I have been teaching. And that season may be coming to an end at certain places um, during those times. 
it's, you know, it's hard to pour into others from an empty vessel. And if we look to our role as teachers, uh, seeing ourselves more as a vessel, kind of a conduit, something that something's moving through, like I said, you are sharing from your experience of something that was shared with you, then you must pay close attention to how you're taking care of your vessel. How are you taking care of yourself? How are you showing up for yourself? Which is a direct correlation, you know, to how we're participating in our own personal yoga practice. How are you showing up for your yoga practice? (laughs) It's okay to have seasons of replenishment. It's okay to have those seasons to step back, to evaluate, to spend time and being with the, the, the feelings and all the things that are coming um, from that time in your life. Seasons where you step back from teaching responsibilities and, and you refuel, you recharge in order to step back in, you know, inspired and ready to pour into others and ready to show up really in, in your biggest and brightest version of yourself as a teacher, right? So visualize that. Like, what do you see? Can you even see clearly, right? That biggest, fullest, expanded version of yourself as a teacher, and, and if you're inspired to, to move towards that, then all your decisions, all your choices, all your opportunities you are choosing to be a part of should align with that expanded version of yourself. So a couple of points that I want to share um, th- that I think will be helpful once you move into the evaluation phase, because, you know, you notice and then you evaluate, but you could be like, Sandy, like, what am I evaluating? <laughs> And, and this is to begin practicing saying no. <laughs> and the sooner you acknowledge that you have a choice as to what you will say yes to, then you will find great clarity and understanding along your teaching pathway. And you are not designed to be everyone's teacher. That's a tough one, right? We want to be liked. We want people to enjoy our classes. We want people to come. We want to feel that we are really making an impact and and that people are wanting to be in our classes. But the reality is you are not designed to be everyone's teacher. And it's okay. You are gifted with unique talents, viewpoints, and perspective. And you do not have to say yes to all the teaching opportunities that come your way or presented and offered to you that are not in alignment with your intention as a teacher. Let me stop here to add, it's it's beneficial and possibly crucial, I would say, that you spend some time evaluating your intention as a teacher. Why do you teach and what type of teacher do you desire to be? And here comes that visualization again, sit back and visualize the type of teacher and that expanded, fuller expression of yourself. You need to know this if you're a yoga teacher. Now, there may be some changes to this. You may take on roles and teaching opportunities you felt aligned, right? But then you get in there and there's just, it's not working out. Something just doesn't feel right. And I'm speaking from experience again. Not all spaces are designed for you to be the teacher in them. Just like you're not designed, right, to be everyone's teacher, not all spaces are created for you to step in to teach. I've stepped into spaces before, thought it was a great opportunity. And and really, now that I think back, I didn't spend a lot of investigation time in this space. And there's one clearly that steps out and stands out in my mind. And, And I went there and I taught a couple classes and it just did not resonate or align with me, um, that it was the space that I would cultivate and grow as a teacher. 
And so I had a hard discussion and, and conversation with the studio owner and, and just chose not to pursue teaching there, but it was beneficial. So it was a short season, but certainly I learned a lot from it. So you need to spend time to trying to, to figure out and to evaluate your attention as a teacher. You need to know this, but you need to create direction um, in this area. You need to understand um, how to navigate the course of your teaching pathway. While it's important to invest in time and building a new class, so you may go in somewhere and, and you need to really, you know, work or you know you're going to be cultivating and working to grow a class or a new opportunity, you need, you need to also pay attention that the energy of the studio or, or possibly the student or, or client you're working with, it, it just doesn't match up, right? It's just not be cohesive enough for you to pursue and continue. It's okay if you need to change that. You know, I, I really try to be very thoughtful of really evaluating any teaching opportunity I say yes to just because I don't want to get in there and then find out that mm, it's just not going to work. But it could happen that way. So you be thoughtful um, in, in choosing what you'll say yes to. But just because you say yes doesn't mean you need to stay stuck in something if you get in there and it's just not really what you had thought and prepared for. And, and you just trust that another opportunity that's aligning with your path will arise and, and it will show up for you. So saying no can feel scary, <laughs> uh, but learning and practicing saying no will help you to maintain space uh, for something else to arise. It's it's hard too, right? Let me just say this. It's, it's hard if, if you don't learn how to say no and you say yes to everything. Because <laughs> I often tell my trainees, like, you'll be amazed at once people find out the work you're doing, that all kinds of people are going to want you to come and to teach and to share. And it'll be tempting, right? Because you'll, you'll be um, excited, <laughs> right? And you're coming out, especially if you're coming out of teacher training, you'll be excited and want to say yes to everything. But then there's a, a logistical aspect of you um, being able to fulfill your yes and be able to really show up in the biggest capacity as a teacher. So that leads me to, to thinking about when we talk about the vessel aspect of, of being a teacher, it's hard to pour into others when you are filled to the brim, right? And you're actually overflowing, right? There's no more room, right? There's no more room. It's, it's not abundance, right? This overflowing is actually depletion and emptiness of the energy you no longer have, right? To hold space for the students that you're going to lead. There are always kind and gracious, gentle ways to say no. Um, that doesn't damage any relationships or connections that you may have in your your life, right, or in your teaching pathway. Practicing saying no will only aid in your ability to set healthy boundaries. There's a podcast episode on that <laughs> that you can maintain and adhere to that supports the overall big picture work of your intention as a teacher. Let's talk about support and supportive as far as thinking about a network of fellow teachers. I talked early on or I spoke too early on that we could be cautious in our peers around us, that we could 
step into what could feel like a competitive. And so when I'm talking about the support and support of a network of fellow teachers, I would have a layer of discernment of really understanding who those people are in your life. And and can you say that you have this supported network in your life? Do you truly have a group of individuals that are aligned with the same intention that you have as a teacher? So in order to know who those people are, you got to get clear on your intention and what is your intention you're aligning into as a teacher. And I believe you'll start to attract other like-minded, intentional teachers when you know what your intention is. If not, you know, I'd be cautious to be swept up in things that could become, quite honestly, studio drama or teacher drama. It is present. It is out there in the yoga community as well, unfortunately, but it's there. It's realistic. Um, do you truly have a group of individuals that, that you are aligned with with the same intention? Do you have a mentor? Um, someone that's an important sounding board as your teaching pathway evolves. Somebody you can go to, right, that that knows how to get you, right, to the next place in the space towards that expanded version that you've envisioned yourself to be as a teacher. Someone who's been there, someone that's a little farther along on the pathway, yet they're still close enough, right? They're right there ready to take your hand and support you further along the path, right? Do you have that individual in your life? It's important for yoga teachers to have this supportive network, a mentor, someone that, a mentor that can listen, can guide and provide insight as you make important decisions, um, as you feel stuck and you, you don't know what to do as you're in that kind of being with space or you're facing a challenging situation in your, your teaching journey and you need some guidance and insight. Staying connected with teachers from your teacher training is a great um, way to, to build that supportive network, making an effort to connect with fellow teachers at your studio where you teach. And once again, discern, do a little discernment that they are aligned in the t intention you have as a teacher. And then certainly reach out to other teachers in your community and, and, you know, build a relationship there and possibly even some collaboration opportunities or, and, you know, wherever you practice, go out and be a student in the community. That's just a wonderful way to build, um, being part of a network. And like I said, that goes right along with you getting realigned and tapped back in from this exhaustive state uh, by tapping into your personal practice. You know, as much as yoga is about connection, and connection is a crucial part of my intention as a teacher, and it really helps to answer my why I teach. I always come back to that. Are the things I'm doing saying yes to in connection, connecting me with others, connecting um, others with the practice are the choices and, and the situations, opportunities, you know, I'm saying yes to aligning with that. But it, you know, it can also, I talked about this network, it can also sometimes if we don't have that space to know you have someone or a group that you can go to, to share from those real-time teaching experiences that you're trying to learn and grow from as a teacher. Um, if you're not careful, though, you know, and Dari talked about a little bit, the yoga teaching world is not immune um, to this this competition aspect or, you know, competition with other teachers or feeling like you can't be supportive of each other because you may give away some <laughs> secret to something that that helps support someone else in their class. And, you know, to me, it's like 
really notice when you're getting swept up into that. I believe that is an energy depleter right away. It will lead you to exhaustion quickly. There is enough yoga to go around. (laughs) And like I said earlier, you are not designed to be everyone's teacher. You are designed to be you, right? You be you teaching. And so just be, I don't want you to be on guard, but I just want you to be aware of that. And and as you're building your network of support, just evaluate who that is and who that trusted, you know, circle and that network of fellow teachers, who they are. And, And also, as I said, you know, seek out a mentor. Also seek out those, you know, you're, you're going to get along on the path a little farther and they're going to be new teachers coming out of training. See them, right? See them and see if you can reach your hand out to them. Just like I talked about a mentor being someone that's a little ahead of you, but yet they're reaching back to take your hand to bring you along with them. You start to be that. You be that teacher that's looking to support, you know, someone that's stepping out of training into the experience and see if you can be a catalyst in creating that supportive network of fellow teachers instead of fueling some kind of competition aspect or way of being that really is not healthy or helpful for anyone, you or the students that are in that situation. You know, if we're not careful and if we're not seeking out that community and collective of support, you know, we'll start to feel lonely, we'll create isolation instead of connection, really. (laughs) It'll be a disconnect. And so seek out, you know, how you can align this intention and grow. It's important um, to know that you're not alone, right? You're not alone. Connection is key to the health and well-being of both you and your community. If you're, you aren't a part of a community of teachers committed to ongoing growth, then evaluate this and evaluate, you know, how um, this is going to be showing up as and presenting itself as exhaustion, right, from the hustle uh, of trying to keep up, right? You'll try to keep up instead of expand into that expanded version of yourself and, and potential burnout. And I know we've probably all heard that word could be lurking around the corner if you're not careful. Lastly, let's talk a little bit about burnout, um, which will show up if you don't take notice, right, of exhaustion in your life, of this uninspired (laughs) um, season. And and let me just share kind of like what burnout looks like, because, you know, in order to know what something is, you need to kind of know what to look for. It could show up as overload, you know, working harder, (laughs) not smarter. Uh, That's been a few things I've been processing through, too. You know, how can I do less and accomplish more? I love that. Um, how can I be in that pursuit? It could show up as feeling under-challenged or even underappreciated or even bored, right? You're no longer inspired. You're, you're not excited to step in to teach or lead a class. It could show up as neglect. It could show up, you could start feeling incompetent, right? Not confident, like I talked about early. Like you could have all these years of experience and then all of a sudden you don't feel confident anymore as a teacher. And where did that come from, right? Because at the end of the day, you are a yoga teacher. You can rest assured in the confidence that that is who you are and you have the experience to back it up. But as burnout shows up, right, from that exhaustive um, hustle state, you've really neglected (laughs) yourself. And and that's where this is showing up and this doubt. And this is where imposter syndrome shows up. You know, I'll say that amongst the side effects, I guess, of the pandemic and and really even before this, you know, was pre-COVID, 
that I've seen and I've had many conversations with other teachers about the feeling, right, of this incompetence and this lack of confidence um, and doubt, it, it becoming really a prevalent topic amongst um, other teachers. And some of these conversations with those teachers, like I said, that have, you know, many, many years teaching experience, this burnout state of being shows up, you know, as that imposter sneaking in <laughs> to tell you, fill your head with doubt. You know, you, you're on the outside looking in to see what others are doing. You start comparing yourself to other teachers. You start to wonder why your class numbers are not, you know, as high as another. And you start to to really wonder, you know, whether you should even remain teaching at all. And it can sneak in if we're not paying close attention, you know, to that hustle and that exhaustion showing up. I'll conclude with this. You know, if you are a yoga teacher listening, I just want you to know I see you. <laughs> I am your biggest fan. I am here to support you and the worthy endeavor of the work you are pursuing. I have sought out over the years and what has helped to support me, I know, right, with longevity and this this pathway is the support of others and support of other teachers and those that are farther along on the path than I am and taking initiative to reach out, to connect, to want to learn from someone else, someone that's been there, someone who can relate, yet someone who can provide clarity and insight uh, for me to see something a little differently, for me to expand beyond what sometimes can be limiting beliefs and obstacles. I would say yoga teacher, you need a support system. You need to feel connected as much as you are pouring into the students that you are leading as you're trying to seek, you know, and help them to make the connections within their bodies and to a mindset of peace and well-being. You need to take care of yourself. You need to take care of yourself so that you can remain committed, committed with longevity to this most worthy endeavor. I would like to personally invite you, if you are listening and you are a yoga teacher, I want to invite you to join me and a collective of other teachers who are coming together. We are intentionally coming together to pursue connection, support, and encouragement, and ultimately seeking to make a greater impact as teachers. And this is going to be through my Beyond Yoga Teacher Training Mentorship Group Program. I spoke earlier that, you know, I had a season recently, you know, as of like six months ago, where I just felt I was in this space of like not knowing and kind of hovering and, you know, what was I going to do? I've, I've been teaching almost 20 years. I, I can rely on what I know um, and I can do that and I enjoy that. But there felt within me there was something else expanded, something that that expanded version of myself. And that was where I was really inspired and, and spent that time in evaluation. And it, it was with clarity it came to me that I want to support yoga teachers now support those that are on this path. I want to support them, mentoring them, sharing with them, pouring into them from what I have experienced and processed as a teacher. And I have vast experiences to pull from. And, and I just, I just want to share that. And I want to support, I want to reach back or, you know, or reach, come alongside of um, yoga teachers. And I want to come alongside of you and support you along the pathway to your next expanded version of yourself as a yoga teacher. So I am inviting you personally, 
right? This is your personal invite to join me um, in 2022, right? We're getting ready. I'm getting ready to put together a group now that will start in January. So if you want to hear more, check out my website, sandyraper.com for details. And then email me, connect with me, and let's schedule a time. I have a, a free 45-minute advising session, and I've got time marked off of my calendar that I want to meet with you. So go schedule that on my website, and I can't wait to hear from you. Thank you for joining me today. Before you head out into your day, let me ask you this. Hey, are you a yoga teacher that sometimes feels unclear about your direction and the direction you should take in your teaching path? Or possibly you feel uncertain about some of your teaching skill sets and you're ready to refine and grow, but you just don't want to add one more training. Well, this is where a mentor is so crucial to have in your life and in your teaching career to come alongside of you to help you sift through and reinforce and challenge your skill set so that you can create longevity and sustain a healthy teaching career. You know, sometimes it can even feel lonely out there trying to figure out everything and you may even feel like you don't know who or where you can even turn to. Well, let me tell you, look no further. I have been teaching yoga for 20 years now. Gosh, I can't believe it. And have had a variety of teaching experiences as well. I have trained and educated teachers for a decade. And quite honestly, I can say that I am your, the yoga teacher's biggest fan. I want to see you be successful as a teacher, and that is why I am dedicated to spending time as a mentor for yoga teachers. Want to know how you can get started? Well, how you can get this invaluable clarity and support that is uniquely designed for you in a one-on-one -on -one experience? Well, it's easy. You begin by scheduling a free 45-minute call with me, and we'll get to know each other, and I want to hear all about your teaching journey. I want to hear where you may have some obstacles and how I can support you through this process. That's it. It's easy, right? So let's connect. Go to my website, sandyraper.com, and schedule your call today, and I'll be waiting to hear from you. Thank you for joining me for today's episode. Until we meet again, remember to begin, to become, and to expand beyond.